Awesome. Hey guys, Pedro Vega with Cardinal Senior Benefits. I want to talk about the difference between being a captive agent and being an independent broker. So at Cardinal, we are a senior market independent brokerage. That means our agents are not stuck with one product or one company. We got all the tools on the belt that you'll ever need. And that's great because you get to serve people better. You can get, you can get people pound for pound, dollar for dollar, the best possible value that they will find. And that feels great. That leads to you making more sales, making more commissions, and feeling good about it all along the way. So guys, thank you so much. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. There it is, baby. I love it. I'm just gonna hold the book up the whole time on my camera because it just it's the it's the closest thing to matching how good the other side of the camera looks, bro. <laughs> I appreciate that. Dude, welcome back to the show. How are you, man? I'm good, Andreas, dude. It's it is good to see your face after you know being able to see you every day in the past. You know, it's it's fun to to rekindle the flame here. So how hey, are you man. doing? I missed you too. <laughs> and hey thanks for grabbing my book by the way it looks awesome Heck yeah dude look check this out babe Ooh, we got the hardcover i love it i love it this man's a true hardcover. supporter that's right well i mean honestly dude um and we could just dive right on in like yeah uh it was a no-brainer for me to buy this uh, i'm not particularly in high ticket sales but what i did do is spend a lot of time watching you work um spend a lot of time uh being really impressed with how you conduct your business, how you conduct your uh, clients, how you lead people well, how you teach people the value of what you're selling. And so when I found out you were literally writing the book on how you accomplish this, I was like, yeah, how's that going to hurt in any way as a business owner to like get inside your brain and, and know about this stuff. And sure enough, um, I will admit I didn't finish it yet. Cause we, it was kind of like a tight squeeze from when I got here to when we recorded, but, um, and the 4th of July just happened, but from even the stuff I already read, I was like, man, this is, I can tell you're a master of your craft. And so let's just dive, dive right in there. Um, let's talk about the book first, uh, as, as co-authors not co-authors as, both of us are authors. I know what it takes to do this. I know how scary it is to do this. Yeah. Um, tell me about the process, the inspiration for this thing. As your chapter one suggests, let's just start with why and, and go forward. Oh, man. Uh, the book on high ticket sales. You know, this was, um, there's actually a couple other books that I have been wanting to write before this one came to light. And actually, I've written a couple of books before this already. And you might remember when you actually were working with me in the past back at self-publishing school, right? Um, you know, there's a uh, there was always this like joke, Chad's been around for a long time. And he's got all these book ideas, but still hasn't done it yet. And, you know, every book that I had, I almost had like that imposter syndrome just to get them out there. I was like, ah, like maybe that won't even be that good. So I have a couple books that are about 75% done. And then I just shelved them, right? I got my own head and you know there was um there was this moment that i had maybe you know without getting too deep to start this thing off there's like this moment that i had and you know in the, at the end of last year i was like you know what if i'm gonna do this thing and actually like write my book it's either i'm going to shit or get off the pot right i'm either gonna do it or i'm just gonna chalk it up and say hey it wasn't meant for me and i've always wanted to start a consulting agency i've always wanted to do all these things and i'm like man we teach everyone to write a book to start their business well and then i got this great idea after reading the book by um brandon turner the book on real estate investing i love that book and i was like man 
I could literally do the book on high ticket sales and lead into my business. So, um, but my process, you know, I didn't rush it a ton, but my process was two hours a week, every Saturday morning, I woke up extra early, like 6am till 8am. I worked in my book. And then there was like maybe sometimes sprinkled out through the week that I worked on it, but that was pretty much it. And it was just consistency. And people on this podcast are going to think this is crazy. Literally took me two months to write my manuscript. It wasn't, you know, which is, and it's not even the most, the longest book, but it's just, it just shows how much consistency really makes a difference, you know? Yeah. So let's, let's dig into a couple of things that you said already there, because I want to get into what you talk about in the book as well, but but even, even the idea of what you said, you mentioned imposter syndrome, like what did you do to overcome that? Because I feel like that's something that isn't talked about enough. And one of the things as you kind of are doing something as scary as writing a book and putting your thoughts out to to the public is um, it's, it's a lonely venture and you feel it the most in, in situations like that, where you're kind of doing something that's kind of just you. Uh, but publicly, how did you, how did you overcome that idea? How did you, how did you overcome that, that, that the feeling of like, why would anybody care what I have to say? I'm no expert or whatever, whatever people feel like that. Yeah. Great question. And there is that, um, what was it that I read? You know, it's funny. You asked me this question. I, um, I literally, literally, um, got asked that question or I, you know, I got asked that question recently. And then at author advantage live, our conference, that is actually what I was asked to speak on. So I spoke an entire 45 minute segment on how to overcome imposter syndrome, you know, and, and I think the biggest thing that we talk a lot about, which is in my book is really, you, you have to determine your why, but it can't just be this, Oh, I want to write a book because it'll make me look cool and it'll make me be credible. Right. That's so surface level. And I think when I was younger, you know, three, four years ago, that was the reason it, it, you know, to be known as an author and to be seen as someone that's done something that 99% of the world wants to do, but only 1% of the world actually does it. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, there's an incredible accomplishment with writing a book. Um, but I think there's that element of really sitting down. It's like, well, why do I want that? And if, and if you know where this is going, I actually go over this in my book and mm-hmm. deal I talked about it. I learned it from Dylan, which Dylan learned it from. Um, uh, I'm sure you know what company it is uh, overseas that a lot of Southwestern. Yeah, um, and the, the, the when he went to Africa, when he went Salt to Africa, yeah, yeah, the yeah, Africa, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're gonna be so mad when they hear this. But Scott Roy is yeah. the founder of it. Yeah, um, URP. All right, so yes. Um, but anyways, they talked about you know digging deeper, and so I started to do the exercise of well, well, why do I want credibility? And it went into well, I want to, you know, be seen as an authority. Well, why do I want that? And then you kept going and why do I want that? And why do I want that? And I just kept going until this point where I just got this smile on my face. And I realized that man, credibility to me turns into starting a business, which turns into freedom, which freedom's important because man, when I have a family someday and I'm spending time like with my kids and they're doing cool things, playing sports and traveling, you know, whatever, I don't want to be the dad that can't go because I got to stick in my nine to five. Right. So there was this way deeper meaning. I don't even have kids yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like going so, and, and then it just became this thing where it's like, all right, I got to do this. Like, if it's not now, when, right. You may have heard that before, yeah. but um, it just got me, got me to that place I needed to be. And there's a lot more stuff that you can do to overcome imposter syndrome, but that's the first step. Yeah. Right. It's really just why you need to do this. 
Yeah, and I, I love that concept. Uh, Simon Sinek, uh, he, you quote him on the at right at the beginning, and I love I love that concept. I, to me, he's like one of the best people to speak on this and, and yeah. to learn from. And you mentioned him, so I'm glad that that was something that you drew inspiration from. I like that you also said, you know, when when you either smile or you get chills, that's when you know you arrived. I always thought I was like, if you start tearing up a little bit or if you start like really getting warm fuzzies, you're, yeah. there it is. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. cool, man. Um, and now that's so that thank you for that it's a great way to to consider like start using your why and, and understanding why you want to do this will overcome that imposter syndrome phenomenal way of doing that when it comes to when you were writing about the consistent or you talked earlier you were talking about consistency and getting your manuscript done in two months it, I, um i've been I, I worked with you at sps so i can see how that's real and how that's really possible can you speak to how incredible that sounds uh or maybe go into a little bit more detail about that process and how it is possible to do something like that so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I know we're on a Southwestern, you know, podcast, but it's whenever you probably talk to folks and I've, I've heard, I've heard people say this on this podcast over and over, but just the foundations of what you learn selling books door to door is the thing that's not only helped me get to where I am, but I think it's like one of those things that just helps you write a book. Right. And so there's that element of consistency, right? Every, whenever you talk about writing a book, most people think, oh my gosh, Chad, that must've taken you years to write that thing. Right. And they're thinking of the novel. They're thinking of, you know, the Lord of the Ring trilogy, Harry Potter. Well, of course that type of a book is going to take a lot more time. You're plotting your characters, there's twists, there's turns, all these different things. Now, when it comes to self-help book, right. And this is something that I, I felt like I really knew like the back of my hand. I've spoken on this topic stuff with high ticket sales for years. And, you know, you, I got to this point where I, where I just outlined it out and I just started writing and there was this, there was this element of just realizing that, Hey, if I just work on this every single week and I stick to my schedule and do the thing that I said I was going to do, yes, you have to have a plan. Just like when you sell books, you got to have a plan. You got to know, you got to have 30 demos a day. You do that. You'll keep, you know, whatever your bank account away. I don't know. But yeah. it's, it's one of those things with a book, you know, I just made progress every week. And then eventually I was like, Oh, my draft's done. That was the coolest moment. I'm sure you can attest to this. Yeah. Dude. It wasn't edited yet, but it was just like, it was almost, it was almost that feeling of, I almost felt sad because I'm like, is it really done? Yeah. Cause the, the journey, you just, I, I, I never, you know, just that whole journey of it. And then the end, it was almost felt like I needed more in there. So who knows? Maybe there's gonna be a volume two, but yeah, dude. It was a cool feeling, but consistency is the biggest thing. It wins in life, business, it wins in relationships, and it definitely wins in writing a book. Dude, I can can I tell you about this like how I went through that same process with my book? It was yeah, it was to. it was simple like that. Um I got the permission. Mine's a little different because it wasn't like the how-to of sales, but mine was more like telling my dad's story and my family story moving to the US. And I got the permission green light on December 28th. I, after Christmas, they were like, yep, we, you, you can talk about us. Cause I had to, you know, it's not just my story. So I got that. Yeah. Um, I needed it to be published by fully done published by March 7th because that was the anniversary of my dad coming to the United States. And so I really wanted to make that. That was a big why I'm like, I need to thank him for this. And it's the 21st year anniversary of him coming. It's a big deal. So um, I, I, from you guys, I learned that a memoir can be anywhere from like 50 to like 60,000 words. And once I had that, like you said, the Southwestern knowledge. <laughs> so mm -hmm. now it was like, all right, mm -hmm. how many days are left until March 7th? 
And then, okay, if I want that to be done, including all the cover and all that stuff, I need, I need the manuscript to be done by January 26th at the latest. 30 days, you do some math, you figure out how many words you need to write a day. And now that's the controllable, which I want to go into and transition with for your book. You talk about controlling the controllables. And, and I thought that was a cool uh, mention and shout out back to kind of the things that we learned. Yeah. Because now it's up to me. It turned out to be something along the lines of like a thousand words a day. And I'm like, I could do that. And then it just, I let it rip. So um, it's a system, right? And the best thing we learned when we sold bookstore to door is you put pressure on the system, not in yourself. And just so many people fail to plan, right? So you Mm -hmm. plan to fail, right? Yeah. Amazing! I love that's a great quote. Ah, so good. That's that was my DSM, Yvette. That was a favorite quote. Um, okay, so on the book, let's let's dive into some of some of some of the content here in here and 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 share a little bit of some of these principles. So, kind of give us a little bit of the sizzle of the steak of the book because I think I think it'd be worth kind of like just learning from you. So, um, one of the things that you mentioned on here. Um, I want to get specific question of your method to this because I thought it was just genius and fascinating um, the way you brought up how you handle cancellations um, or like appointment cancellations. And, and and I'll ask about that, but can you walk us through a little bit of what your day-to-day look like? Um, and, and like, let's just, let's just take it from the top. How do you define high ticket sales? How do you define what that is? Like when, when people, because people sell who might be listening, maybe sold books and they're like, 1200 bucks is a high ticket sale for a full bag. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean it felt like it was so much money. Yeah. The day, right? So so let's just take it from the basics and then I'll get into some of those nitty-gritties of the, the some advanced sales nuggets that you were given, but sure, sure. start to take it from the top. High ticket sales, what it is, what it isn't, what does your day look like in order to achieve this? Yep. So yeah, I think that's a great starting point. So high ticket sales, just for anyone that doesn't know what it is, um, it's anyone that buys a course, a product, or some sort of coaching program that prices anywhere from 3000 upwards to 50 grand. All right. And very similar to, you know, a one call close situation that you're doing or you did when you sold books door to door, right? You get on the phone with someone, they offer you some sort of coaching program, some sort of education on the back end, it's 6,000, it's $10,000. And as a salesperson, your job is to close them on that call because as we all know, if they don't buy, what happens? The chance of, yeah, (laughs) the chance of them buying goes down significantly. And if you call back, maybe they eventually buy whatever, you know, I'm not saying it never happens, but could be a suicide call. So, you know, um, when someone's making a big decision or a big financial decision to spend 10 grand, you know, if I can get them to sign up in that moment, right. That is what a high ticket sale is. And it's a one call close, but it's over the phone. All right. So, um, and Tony Robbins is a big name that I know a lot of people have heard of. All right. And so Tony Robbins sells coaching programs that start at five, 10, 15, $20,000. And they have sales reps that you talk to, to enroll in those. All right. So, um, so that is essentially what high ticket sales is. So in, in your brain, so explain a little bit about your industry of high ticket sales. So we can kind of get an idea of like what it is like for you. Um, you described it pretty well in the book. Um, so walk through the story of what that looks like. What, what, what does your day look like? And, and like, how did you get into high ticket sales in the first place? Yep. So, um, man, I, um, I, I went the, the typical route. Um, I won't go too long, too much into this. Maybe this spurs conversation for later down the road, but, um, I did the insurance, um, with family heritage when I, 
when I actually, you know, left Southwestern. I did that for just shy of five years. And um, at that point, I started thinking, okay, I've been here pretty long time. I don't know if I want to keep adding gear to the pile. I think it's a great career. But when I started thinking like 10, 15, 20 years, I was like, I don't know if this is what I want to stick to. And so I started to explore a little bit, see what else was out there and came across this company um, that was called Self-Publishing School, now selfpublishing.com. And I uh, met a, a gentleman named Chandler Bolt. And I guess the rest is history. But essentially what we, what, how I got in high ticket sales is they had an offer where we actually taught people how to publish their own books. And they got a coach that helped them write their book. And then we helped them market their book. And that program, when I first started, it was like $3,000. All right. And obviously the goal was for people to buy that product right in that moment and help. And then we could help them get started on their book. So that's how I got started in it. And mm -hmm. then it opened this whole world of, oh my gosh, there are so many different industries out here doing this marketing packages, business accelerators, you know, land your, start your podcast. There's so many things. And, and it's such an interesting market because, <clears throat> you know, the e-learning market is, I mean, there's projections I talk about in my book with market insider. Um, it's over like a $300 billion industry, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, people are now realizing that, oh, I don't have to go spend $40,000 to go get an education on, you know, business. All right. Take all these gen in classes and they spend 50 grand, but they're realizing, wait, if I want to start a business, Oh, there's a guy named Tony Robbins. I'll use him as an example or Russell Brunson or Dean Graziosi. I'm, you know, trying to use some names yeah. that people have heard of Gary V Gary V where they sell programs that teach you how to start a business from scratch. And it might be $5,000 and that is a way lesser investment. But then on top of that, you're actually learning from the guy that's really successful at it, right? He did it. <laughs> because a lot of these, and this is a whole other conversation, so we don't have to go too far down this rabbit hole, but there's a lot of professors out there. They teach business classes and guess what? They've never even owned a business. Seems kind of silly, right? Yeah. So that's the interesting part about high ticket sales. And so what our company does is we train people you know, how to you know, get into high ticket sales. We help them land a career in it, but then we also teach them how to do it successfully, right? Yeah. With coaching, et cetera. And yeah. so that's how I got into it though, um, was so, through selling publishing stuff. So now the, let's talk about high ticket sales Academy then, because the, it, the, the founding of this, where, like, how did you decide that this is the right time? Why this year? Why not last year? And why not next year to, to, to launch this? Oh man, I um. So actually, I, I did actually launch it last year. It was very like soft, and I've been oh. doing it just on the side and just through word of mouth and getting clients here and there and yada yada yada. And you know, coming into twenty twenty three, I you know I set big goals for myself. I do the things. I, I set my yearly goals. I break it down to a month. I break it down to a quarter. And as I started thinking about 2023, there's so many big changes I had in my life recently. Um, you may have saw I got married. I did you know that. a couple of uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. I was up in Iceland with my fiance, I love or now wife Abby, love my life. And you know, so that was a big thing that was happening this year. And um, no big deal. <laughs> right. Um, writing and publishing my very first book was a big deal. And, you, you know, and then I had this business I kind of like was doing on the side here and there. And I'm like, man, like I really should put a little fuel behind the fire here and see what I can do with this thing. And so as I started thinking about my, my big goals, I want to buy another real estate investment property, all these things. I started making themes 
All right, I love themes, and so I called this my Michael Jordan year, hence 2023, right? And all that <laughs> stuff. Cool. And this is going to be the year that just so many things in my life were just going to explode. And so I got this, and writing the book was a big piece that gave me a lot more confidence to do it and to be like, no, I am a freaking thought leader in this. I'm, I wrote the book on high ticket sales, right? And um, that really spurred me. But then also when I started thinking about, okay, well, I'm going to get married this year. Well, I'm already in my early thirties. I mean, I'm assuming Abby and I are going to want to have kids, you know, at some point soon. And if we're going to have kids soon, well, if I'm going to build something, I want to build it before my kids get here. Yes. Right. Cause I know how the type of dad I want to be and I want to be present. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of that stuff. Um, but I just got big goals. I mean, this, and I'm starting to feel that urgency. I mean, I'm only in my early thirties. It's not, you know, I'm not this old guy, but at the same time, I know in two years, I'm going to wish I was back in this exact moment. You know what I mean? And, I'm, and that's, I'm going to feel that way forever. So if I don't do something now, when am I going to do it? If not now, when, right? Boom, bro. That's your, your, uh, your perspective for this year seems to be a lot about like, this is the best time it's ever going to be. And let's let it rip shoulders back, smash go it. Let's it. go. <laughs> yeah, that's so, that's so cool. There's just a lot of stuff, man. And I, you know, I mean, just a, I, I don't want to make it seem like, Oh, everything's working for me. Everything's working because I'm deciding to go after the goals that I've set for myself. Right. I'm not going to sit on the sideline. I'm not going to be the guy that talks about it anymore. Right. There's so many of us where we've been thinking, I want to be this person. I want to be an influencer. I want to post more content. I want to do all this stuff. And we just never do it. So if not now, when, right? There's a little trend. If you catch that for the third or fourth time, we said it. <laughs> Dude, I love this. I love this. When you were, talked about the importance of, I feel like you have the authority of this. Talk about the importance of writing a book or having some sort of like podcast or having some sort of like uh, lead magnet, if you will, mm -hmm. to while opening a business, right? Um, and Because this, this goes... It really into some good depth that your book um but i can't imagine it goes into as much depth as your sales academy does and so can you talk about like that strategy and like the the, the mentality behind that because i think that's fascinating and, and worth learning about yep yeah great question so give away your best stuff for free all right and a lot of people are gonna say what they're listening to this and they're building a coaching program or whatever why would i do that Right. Well, you should, because that's how people know that your best stuff actually works. And there's this saying, and you may have heard this before, but people will pay you to do the thing that was your best stuff. And they will pay you to hear you tell them to do it after they read it in your book. Okay. So I wanted to make sure I had like such good actionable content where I, I literally wrote this book in the realm of somebody does not even have to come into my coaching program. They can read that book and they will get as much info as they need. If they're in a one call close sales job, they don't even have to be in high ticket sales. They could be in door to door sales. They could do whatever, yeah. you know, and you will gain any type of sales. You will get so much stuff out of that. And I wrote it in a way where you don't actually have to be my client. All right. Because I want people to realize, man, this stuff's so good. This stuff's so good. And then they're gonna say, well, what else could I learn if I worked with Chad? Okay. And so now I do have lead magnets in my book to get to your question. Um, you know, we give away a free audiobook. All right. You can see that on within the first page, right? Um, that's just a lot of value. I lead with value. I want my clients to know that, Hey, I'm going to get a taste for who Chad is, what he has to offer before I even pay him a dollar. 
right? There's so many business owners that do it the other way around. They try to take, take, take your money here. I want, I want to, I want you, it's only 10 grand. Buy this thing, buy this thing, buy this thing. When it really should be the other way around, you should be giving, 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 giving. Here's this content. Here's this blog. Here's this YouTube video. Here's this thing and this thing and this thing. And then it's all the point where they're like, well, what are you selling anything? Like, what can I buy from you? Right. People always want to buy from the person that they've seen their product, touched it, held it, whatever, seen a lot of the stuff that they have to offer. And so, you know, here at High Ticket Sales Academy, we got blogs, we got the TikTok going, we got all these things with just content galore because, you know, that just allows us to grow credibility as well. But, um, but you definitely want to have some lead magnets, you know, as a business owner, ways that you can capture names, phone numbers, email addresses, so that you can then market to those folks. So hopefully that answers your question. I kind of yeah. want a little bit of a soapbox, but. Um, no, that's, that's great. And, and, I, and I appreciate that because one of the things that you're creating in value is, and this is kind of like backwards or not necessarily backwards, but this isn't necessarily some, a philosophy that was taught to us selling books door to door. I should distinguish selling books door to door instead of our our personal books um is is when you when you provide that 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 credibility as well as like your best stuff is also your most credible stuff too right so when people read your book they're gonna know who you are i mean i i, I was reading this and maybe it's because i knew you but i'm like i could hear your voice right through your book like you did a great job of of, of speaking as yourself which i think is a huge part of it so you can get really get to know you as the author uh people will get to know that you are an expert because the this is stuff that people are charging for and you're giving it away for free so what you're instead creating is instead of creating someone who just wants to sign up to the sales academy for themselves they're doing it to be in connection with you because mm -hmm. they have respected you now as a, as a as a real expert in this field so i think it's it's, it's a genius it's a genius approach to it and it makes it so uh you do apply the principle of the numbers games which is something that we do at southwestern yep. if you have a hundred thousand people buy your book just to give it a, you know, a decent number. It's not, you're not selling millions of copies. You don't have to be in New York times. I mean, ideally, right. Sure. Or Oprah's sure. book club, right. In the, in an amazing world, but people think that that's what it takes to have a successful book, but no, all it takes is to have enough copies sold for free because it's good content that out of that number, statistically speaking, it's just, it's just dripping in, uh, from a form of clients. So I think that's, I think that's a beautiful approach and, and, and it, and it makes it so people who, could otherwise afford it in the first place can really like uh, connect first and have something to save towards to, to get, you know, in contact with you. That's amazing, well, man. Well, and you probably remember, right? So when you and I both worked at self-publishing school, you know, self-publishing.com now, right. Um, there's your plug channel bowl. Uh, yeah. it, you know, it, some of the best people that purchased our program that was at the time, $5,000. Okay. They read Chandler's book. And they were just the easiest. And you probably remember right? yeah. when you talk to those folks and put them on my calendar. Right. And oh, I read Chandler's books. You probably got a little bit excited because they just, they basically got in Chandler's head. Yeah. And built confidence that, man, this book's so good. This is so good. This is everything I need to know. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, and, and, oh, and they can help me. I don't have to do all this on my own. Right. And so yeah. that's, that's whole concept, but yeah. Um, and there's a good yeah. point to that. I, I remember when I would call people and they specifically had mentioned that they, they, got on my calendar because, or the reason I was talking to them is because they, they signed up for this phone call and they would mention Chandler as if they had met him. They're like, oh my gosh, yeah, we, I just love Chandler. Like if, if they had a conversation at the bar and he was sharing them with them how to publish yep. a book, right? Yep. Um, and that's what you do with your with your book too. 
like I'm reading this and I'm like, dude, I feel like I'm talking. Like, honestly, I've been reading your book uh, over the last couple of weeks since I got here, since I got here. And I feel like I've been talking to you. So that even recording now, like, I feel like I've, I'm just continuing this conversation that you've been having with me through yeah. your book. And that's huge. I mean, that's really the key because you're the guy that knows, right? It's the concepts aren't as important as your credibility. And you're establishing that by putting your f- best stuff out there for free. And that's yep. genius. Really, yep. really, really smart, smart approach. Um, let's get into some of the some of the techniques. And let me ask you as the expert on high ticket sales, like some some questions that maybe um, maybe this is more from the from a perspective of I'm listening to this. I'm in sales and I'm looking to this podcast to be or this specific episode to be a bit of an advanced sales section to it. So let's let's approach it from that direction of like advice from Chad. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm going to pick on some of the stuff that I for sure read in the book. But I was gonna say, if you want to pick some stuff at or there's yeah. something specific. Yeah. Yeah, I got a specific one to start with, but um, I'll also ask you like, what are some of the when you were writing? What as you were, and I know I have these moments in my book where you like there are certain chapters or or you know sections in your book that you wrote that you're like, ooh, that was really good. Like, I'll, it's all good, but like that was really really good, you know. So let me just ask you my question first, and sure. we'll take it from there. Um, some of the stuff that you were talking about were southwestern principles, and I was really identifying with them. But you did something on here that was so unique i hadn't had i I don't even know if i knew that you did this when we were working together but it was the section where you talk about uh calendar management and you Mm -hmm. talk about your sop at the end of the day or uh, end of day standard operation procedure which is like your regular routine to close out your day and how you look at your calendar the next so walk me through that thought process you know you know what section i'm referring to oh yeah 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 no i know you explain what it's for like as far as like cancellations and like like give me the background context and then explain that technique because i thought that was just so brilliant yeah so so in high ticket sales just to preface this a little bit um, it's, a, it's a really cool industry because there's two different levels. So you have a sales development rep. So if you don't know what that is, it's someone that does the cold calling. All right. Maybe with a little bit less experience and they book people that are qualified on your calendar. All right. Um, and as a closer, your job is just to wake up in the morning. I'm not going to you know, make it sound fun, but um, it, it is fun. But you know, you wake up in the morning and you have a stacked calendar of already scheduled appointments. So for you Southwestern people, think of it as you wake up in the morning and you already have appointments with Susie, or yeah, Susie, no, Susie, not Mrs. Mrs. Jones. Jones, Mrs. Jones. We use Susie at a different, uh, different company, but, um, but Mrs. Jones, imagine having Mrs. Jones on your calendar, seven appointments every single day for the whole week, whatever. And you don't even have to go anywhere, right? That'd be a and, dream. I used to think about that back in the day, how great that would be. Yeah. Right? And for perspective, I was to even add to the analogy, not only do you have those appointments set up, but some other book kid already went by, knocked on the door, kind of gave him an idea of what the product was, kind of got the pre-approach of like, oh, they're a high school kid. They're struggling with math, right? And so when you show up to this, and, and they're excited to see you. I already have notes, right? So when you show up to the appointment, like that part's already done of like the pre-approach they are they said yes they want to learn more so then chad comes along just to continue with your analogy <laughs> and and the last thing i'm going to add to that is they already know a rough idea of what it's going to cost or the investment they're going to have to make right so you know mm-hmm. that they're you know 80 percent probably financially qualified to afford whatever you have to offer and so you're a closer that's what the term is closer you're just coming in to close the deal right and so um in that section where i talked about you know calendar management and all those things well Man, oh man, um, the most successful salespeople are the most efficient with their time. 
All right. And so for me, when I was in a high ticket sales role, it was super important that if somebody ever booked out beyond two, three days from the day, like if today's Monday and it's now they booked an appointment for Thursday, in my mind, that's a first red flag. All right. I want to make sure one, that that person's going to show up. All right. I talked about this in my book called the rule of 48. All right. If somebody books an appointment outside of 48 hours, they're getting reminders. I'm getting a confirmation that they're going to show up for that appointment. Cause if they don't confirm it, chances are they're probably going to forget, you know, you can think good in the world, but the average person will not show up. I promise you, especially if we look at the numbers. All right. Mm-hmm. So rule 48, anyone books outside of two days for anything, Always, always follow up, confirm. You're going to be there. You're going to be there. Yep. So I would, I would check those things, right? Um, the next thing I would always do is I would look ahead to my calendar. And one of the things that I talk about in my book is having to increase your conversion rate. You want to also increase your quality of client that you're speaking with. And so I break down a series of questions um, that you should ask people before they book a call. So we call it a survey. All right. And in that survey, somebody tells me what their book's about. They tell me how important it is to do it, how much money they want to invest in this product and what their job is. All right. Now, if somebody puts, you know, um, unemployed, they have zero money to invest. And I see that on my calendar for the next day. Well, in my mind, it's probably not a good chance that no matter how great my sales are that day or how much energy I have or how amazing my product is or how great our conversation is, they're probably not going to be most likely to buy. So I might want to mark that free and see if I can get a more qualified candidate. All right. And so there's that element, but then there's also, um, you know, if I end a call early or if I have a no show appointment, someone doesn't show up, well, I'm going to call the appointment. That's maybe an hour later, you know, um, or two hours down the day, call them ahead of time and see if I can get them on my calendar. Now that frees up a slot for my afternoon, so somebody else can book there. And so I'm getting more at bats, you see? And mm. so instead of thinking of it as a, oh man, somebody canceled last minute, oh, no show. I guess I'll take this hour to scroll through TikTok and watch some reels until my next appointment. No, it's I'm going to call ahead to the appointment that's next. And then the next one, if they don't answer. And most of the time, about 50 to 70% of the time, people are going to be like, oh yeah, cool. I'd love to talk earlier, right? And you're just, you know, it's like I said, it's that efficiency, And it's how many, you know, one, how many more people can I talk to than the other guy? But then two, how can I make sure I'm talking most qualified candidates? And so in section four, um, I dive into all that stuff way more in depth. So if you're like, man, this sounds really good. How do I implement it? And you're a business owner. I talk about it in section four. And so definitely check that out. Yeah, go check it out, dude. So cool. So cool. When, when you're writing the book, what part of the, of, of, of your expertise that you share, were you most excited about for people to read uh, on your end? man, I'm actually looking at my book. It's, it's almost like, what were the things that I was most, <laughs> dude, I, I have that same thing too, where I'm like, wait, what part of what chapter was that, yeah. that I wrote? Like yeah. people think that, you know, it, like, because you've read it over and over, but the fact is you've read it over and over to edit it so many times. You're like, it's cause it's not a streamline yeah. for you yeah. as an author. You're going all over the place. <laughs> so probably one of the, the coolest things that I did, um, was when I talked about the four buying types. Yes. Right. Um, I get a lot of great feedback in my reviews, people emailing me or customers, clients of ours. They love that chapter. Um, you know, if, if you know what the five love languages are by Gary Chapman, he mm-hmm. talks about how everyone has a certain way that they feel love quality time, you know, um, gift giving acts of service. Yeah. Words yeah, of affirmation. Yeah. 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 You get it. And so similar with sales, there is a buying type 
people buy a certain way and based on how they're presented to, or really just their style of purchase. All right. And so one of the main ones that we love is when Mrs. Jones is what I call an entertainer and Mrs. Jones, that's an entertainer gets super excited when you come to the door and she can't wait to talk to you because you're just sewing at her door and she just wants to have some social interaction. And you're just like, man, this lady, oh, she's offering me water now. Oh my gosh. Oh, and she has a sandwich. What? And she's like, oh, come in, Andreas, you cutie pie. Get out of the heat. Come on in. I got a glass of water for you. Just tell me what you're doing. I, I would love to hear about it. And as a you know salesperson or college student, you're like, oh, wow, these, I want more people like this, right? So those are people that are excited. They can't wait to chat with you. And if you can determine that person earlier, it's a lot easier to sell to them in the way that they like to buy. Well, that person does not like to be bogged down by details, for an example. They don't want to know every little thing that your product has to offer, all right? Because they're going to get bored. They want to know about the exciting things. How is this going to make me feel when I do this? What are the top three things of the no-brainers of why I should buy this thing from you? Just tell me that and do it with an exciting tone and I will buy it, right? But when I go into like details, there's another specific type of buyer that buys that way. And that's like a security style buyer. They're the person that is very analytical. They talk, you know, a little bit faster, right? Well, how does this work? Blah, 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 blah. But then they're also the type of person where they need to know every little detail. We all know someone like that. They're going to buy a car. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not so much about, oh, I just want a convertible. It's no, I want a convertible that has leather seats. I want it to have this type of engine in it. I want it to have, you know, carbon fiber miles per gallon. Yep. What are the miles per gallon? Like they want to break it down to the T what kind of brake calibers you got, whatever they want to know every little nit nitty detail to feel competent to buy it. And so if you can identify those people early, you know, that when you're pitching your product, now you got to adjust, right. And you got to sell it to the way that they are most excited to purchase your product. Right. And that's by making sure you don't miss anything. All right. Um, Does that make sense so far? Yeah. So 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 that, that section of the four different buyer types, I mean, it's just so good. I mean, because if you can, it just gives you a little bit of a leg up, understands how to mirror people and those types of things can be super, super, super valuable, super, super important. So that was probably one of the biggest things that I would say that most people get pretty jazzed about. What, what are you, what are you noticing? Let me ask you this question. Um, uh, of your clients from uh, the high ticket sales academy that you have, or the people yeah. that have responded to your book that have read it and be like, maybe ask for feedback or try to reach out to you through your uh, at chat alio on Instagram or LinkedIn. It, it, what are they asking for, and what what are some of the more like uh, common mistakes that you see people make? Like, so you you have a you have a new client at, at high ticket sales academy. They want to learn this process from you, yep. and the first thing I'm assuming you have to do is kind of like figure out what point A is before you can get them to point B. So you go and kind of go under the hood and you check, hey, what are these things that you're not doing or are doing well? And when you when you open the hood, what are the most common things? So maybe I'm someone listening to this going, man, why would I, like what am I doing wrong that, that I could avoid as I'm, as I'm watching this? Man, another good question. So it's, it's really interesting because when most people come into high ticket sales Academy, some people they've already been a closer and they're trying to get to the next level. Those are the fun ones to tweak. Cause it's almost like a car, right? How do we make it faster? 
And when you listen to a, a live call of that person, you can really start to pick out the little nitty um, nitty gritty things that you can just oh, just do this a little bit more. or Hey, let's change this way you you phrased it. Or hey, your clothes just isn't clean. And so there's that one's a little bit different. So I'm gonna bring in like a brand new person because I think that's just the easiest. Because a sure. lot of people here, you would be brand new, right? That are listening to this podcast. And so majority of people, high ticket sales closing is a lot different than I would say a lot of different other types of sales. So in regards to business to business sales, even door to door in the realm of, you know, there's not as much rapport on the front end. And so we learn about rapport, which, you know, you all should know that means trust, right? Building trust with the client. Well, usually, especially when you're going door to door, like you're spending a good 10 minutes, 15 minutes explaining who you are, where you're from, showing all these names. And if you do that in a high ticket sales call, that can bog people down. All right. So the structure, what I call the conversation structure is probably the most valuable piece for someone brand new and understanding a, what does a good sales conversation look like? Not a script. I don't like calling it a script. I like conversation structure because you really should be having a conversation with people. And so we break down things like how to set an agenda, right? In the very beginning. And an agenda is letting your client know that, Hey, this is what we're going to talk about. I want to dive into X, Y, and Z. And at the end of this call, if it makes sense, we'll talk about how you know we can help each other and you know, get you into our program, right? That lets them know that, hey, you're in control in a nice way, all right? So you always set an agenda after you've built maybe like a five minutes of rapport, okay? And then we go into the discovery. And I believe this is where the sale is always made, all right? And the discovery is really where you're diving into goals, you're diving into challenges, you're diving into, you know, what is their idea? If it's, if you're selling an offer, like, you know, how to, how to market a product, tell me about your business. What, what are your numbers right now? What are you trying to achieve? And so, but then also getting into the deeper things, like, why do you, why do you want to grow that brand? Why do you want to grow that business? Why is this important to you now? Urgency, building these things that need to happen for someone to make a decision. And so we talk a lot about that in our, in our program where, there are five things that need to happen for someone to make a decision to feel comfortable to make a decision. Right. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are the biggest pieces, having a really good conversation structure. So you know how to sell it, sell it the right way where it's not sleazy and it's sales tactic like, but it's just a conversation. It's not a sales script. That would be the biggest thing. Cause you can, I can get someone to follow that stuff and they'll make sales, but I can make it better. But that's, that's always the foundation. Once yeah. we nail that down, we can take you anywhere. Beautiful. Dude, that's, that's really good. Um, I think, I think it's important to, for people to recognize that, 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 that difference exists, right? Cause it's a bigger number and people, it's a bigger investment. So that's, that's huge. Um, if for you, who's like, who's the person that, would be benefiting from this uh course like if, I, if I'm, I'm listening to this i'm like all right what would i need or what what, what do i look like right in, in the book field we talked about like you know family with kids and school right like what's the yeah. what's that but for your sales academy yep so i mean we have i would say we have three different avatars i mean main main avatar is someone that has either never been in sales and they're thinking hey i want to make more money how do I, how do I do that without having, you know, this crazy doctorate education and how can I do it quickly, learn something that is a, you know, 
obviously a career that's in need. All right. So there's that avatar, which is someone that's never done it before. Okay. Um, second avatar is someone that has done sales and they're looking to jump into a different type of sales industry and they want to ramp very quickly. Right. So whenever you start a new sales job, there's always this ramp period and they usually give you three months. And if you don't make it in three months, what do they do? Cut you. Loose. Cut you. So, you know, a lot, I talk to a lot of people that come to me that say, Hey, I know how to take a sales is I want to get into it, but I want to crush it. And I want help finding a job. So that's another person. And then um, we've seen a big uptick in coaches or someone that just started their first training program and they coach people, a life coach, and they're trying to either train their team to be better or if they're in the very beginning stages, they're still taking sales calls and they need to create a system for themselves. All right. Because they're really good at the coaching side, but they know the sales and the marketing side is where they struggle. And so we, we see those people too, but it's kind of a mix. Um, but I would say it's mainly people that want a new career. They want to make more money. And then number two is people that are trying to, you know, sharpen the saw up their sales game, you know, that kind of thing. Bro. Super cool. Super, super cool. Thank you. Um, before we move into any Southwestern stuff uh, and talk a little bit about your career, um, is there is there anything that people should know as far as like how to contact you, how to where to go to find uh, your sales academy? How can people like go reach you and, and or buy your book? Like, sure. let, let's talk about. It. I I got mine on Amazon. Is there anywhere that else that it's available? Or for now, is it still? For now, it's on Amazon. It will be on Barnes and Noble, Target. <laughs> so when people listen to this and couple months it'll be there um but um high ticket sales academy.com um you can find us there it's on the book as well all that stuff you can also go to uh you got a quick question i was gonna say we'll put that on the link too on the on the description notes so if you guys are just wanting to scroll down on the description notes and hit tap that you can just go straight there as well yep and then if you just type in high ticket sales academy in google there's you can find our instagram follow us on linkedin all right um as well and then we also have a facebook page so you can see some content stuff we share there. Um, and then last thing um, is in addition to that, um, if you actually go to chadalio.com, um, I you can get you can download a free audiobook. And so um, that is going to be coming out shortly. So if you go to chadalio.com, um, you should be able to bring up that link. I, I believe as of right now, it's chadalio.com. If that does not show up because there's a change by my team, it would be chadalio.com forward slash audio. Cool. And again, we'll put all those links as they are, as they're updated and stuff on the, on the notes below. So just scroll down and tap on that um, and get a hold of my man. By the way, we're not sponsored by uh high ticket sales Academy. Just so you guys know. Not we, yet. Not but yet. We could be, but yeah, we could, it be. could be. Could be. <laughs> I love the club. Oh, I love it. Um, okay, man, let's, uh, let's dive in into some book stuff. Um, I, I just, I, yeah. Your first episode, we talked a little bit more about your Southwestern career, but in case people don't want to scroll all the way back and find that, um, because they're, that was the early days. That was yeah. like, man, that was early. I, I, I saw that video and I was like, Oh my gosh, that was like my first podcast interview. And <laughs> I had like a whiteboard behind with all these sticky notes and I was in my apartment standing up and I think I had my laptop like sitting on a stack of books. So it was like, I had a standing desk, right? <laughs> Those are the early days, early days. We've both grown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? We, I think I, that was a time we were still recording on Zoom and I was yeah, using like yeah. my plug-in Apple headphones as a microphone. Like <laughs> Man, nuts. Times change. We grow. Look at that. Thank you. Thank um you. 
So in case people are liking this conversation in that way, they don't have to scroll all the way back. Let's talk a little bit about, um, first of all, how did you get into Southwestern? How did you hear about it? Um, where were you? What were you doing? And for some people who, um, I didn't actually go this over this at the beginning, so I'm just going to mention this now. So you sold three summers, 2011, 12, and 13, um, originally from um, uh, Michigan. And was it Eaton? Eaton Rapids. Eaton Rapids, Michigan. I always wanted to say Eastern Rapids, but it's Eaton Rapids, Michigan. You went yeah. to the Central Michigan University. And you have a really cool story of um, just for people who do know what's up, what's coming up is you have a really cool story of the ramp. The like that if you if your Southwestern career canvassing charts are like the ideal canvassing charts for most people, right? Where you had a solid first summer, then you grew, but then you blew up. Um, so we'll probably dig into some of those in probably a little bit different way than we did last time, but still worth mentioning because I think that that was one of the really cool stories that we had early on. So let's let's jump in. How did you hear about this? Where were you? What were you doing? Man, what was I doing? Um, I was in my dorm room, Central Michigan University. I believe I was in Call Hobby. Um, actually, no, it was, yeah, Call Hobby. And I get a phone ring, as many of you do. Bring, bring, right? Hey, what's going on, man? This is Maurice Howell. And uh, <laughs> Maurice Howell, who is this guy? And why does he have so much energy? He's like going through my mind, right? And oh, he's like, I'm calling you about internship. I'm like, internship, what? You know, and uh, did I apply for an internship? Oh, no, no, you didn't apply for something. Your buddy Dan, right? Thank you, Dan. I appreciate you. Uh, actually, you know, referred you. So Maurice got me from some of you full-time recruiters was not because um, I filled something out. It was because somebody else filled something out. He interviewed and then asked them for a referral of list of names and anyone you can think of that would want to do this. And that's how he came across me. He called on me. So, um, so the rest is history. Obviously, of course, Maurice Howell, I meet him at um, the Grand Traverse Pie Company and tells him about this door, door to door thing. I didn't, I don't even think I really understood what it was. I really, I just okay, cool. The people make money, eight grand on average a year, whatever. And it was, you really don't, you really don't know what you're doing until you actually do it, right? Yeah. And Maurice, if you you know Maurice, Maurice is just a high energy guy, as most recruiters are, and just a cool dude. And I was like, all right, this sounds cool. And I just, and I just remember um, going to my parents and. Being like, mom, dad, I guess what? I think I got an internship this summer. And of course they say, oh, honey, that is so great. What are you, where are you working at this summer? Who are you working with? You know, and um, are you going to have to move to Grand Rapids or whatever the biggest city in Michigan at the time, or one of the biggest Detroit, you know, whatever. And um, I said, well, it's, it's better. I'm, I'm actually going to go to Nashville. Oh, Nashville. What? Well, it's training in Nashville, mom. And, and then, oh, training wow they want to train you know and it's like yep yep for a whole week mom wow that sounds really good and then we'll be going to minnesota for the summer and in minneapolis really you're gonna go to minneapolis too that's so cool and mall of america and my dad's like what are you gonna be doing well i'm actually gonna be um talking to families about educational books what do you mean my dad's like starting to dig uh <laughs> i think i'll be knocking on doors <laughs> you're what right you're going to be doing what? And, um, <laughs> yeah. It, what door to door sales? Yeah. No, you're not doing that. I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. And so in that moment, I, I'm just, my mom's like, is this a scam? Like what, what, you know? And, um, and obviously I got some papers. I showed them to my parents, whatever. And, um, they were not on board <laughs> as most parents of course were not. 
have to do. And um, I remember going back to Maurice. Like you them, yeah. Mom and dad are not on board. Hey, it was a good try. And then Maurice does the thing where, hey, well, I'd love to meet them. Right. And, you know, grab coffee with your parents and tell them about what it is. And he's like, I think if they meet me, they'll, they'll let you come aboard. And so Maurice schmoozed my parents and they were just afterwards, I, they were like totally different, man. That Maurice guy seems really cool. He says he, he really <laughs> believes in you. He's not going to let you fail. Go get him, son. And so next thing I know is I'm selling books door to door. Right. But I still don't really know what I'm doing. Right. You just don't really get it until you do it. Right. And so <laughs> that's how I got started. And, um, I remember just doing like, you know, uh, the script trainings and all that stuff. And, before I left Nashville, I just don't, I don't even, I don't think it really hit me what I was about to get myself into. Right. Yeah, dude, nobody really knows. And then even, even like they, to their credit, they do a good job of trying to be as realistic as possible in Nashville, but you can't until you get out and start doing it. It's not, well, it's hard to make that real. Well, I think it's, I mean, I understood what it was, right. I'm not an idiot, but it was the rejection side of it that I just had no idea and the hard work and the mental grind that I was in the muscle that I had to build and work through. Right. And so that was the part that I had no idea, you know, cause when you think internship and what the colleges have told you of internship is paper pusher, super easy, grit your college credits, show that you have experience. Right. And mm. so I was expecting just something I was gonna be a piece of cake. Cool. I'm talking to families about education. Big deal. You know, you don't realize what you're actually doing. You're, I don't realize that I'm starting my own business. I'm getting all these, you know, leads from scratch and you know, which is the best training ever. Right. So, um, but that was the, that was the, the crazy part for me. So, so wild, dude. And yeah. when you get out that summer, um, like I, I remember last time we talked, you kind of shared a little bit about the story from like how that summer went in general but uh did you get off to a fast start how did you end up like as you reflect back and you think about that time what what was some of the highlights for you then you just made me think of this is not a pony story but it's a funny story so, let's hear it yes <laughs> so maurice howell you know my my the guy that, that brought me in um it's really funny so when I was following him, you know, when brand new people, you always like have a day where you follow, you know, an experienced dealer, whatever, just in the very beginning as you're brand new, just so you can like see the job done, great habits. Well, the whole day goes by. Marie still hasn't made a sale. And this is the first time it's like day three on the book field. It was like my day to follow him or day two or something. And um, the whole day, it's like five o'clock. No one's bought anything and in my mind. I'm like, what if he's going to sell something, you know? And, uh, <laughs> And, and at this point, the whole point is when you're an experienced dealer, right? Well, then you're going to go watch the brand new person for just a couple of hours just to, you know, give them some tips before they really go out on their own. And so this was not like a, I was struggling and I'm following Maurice. It was just the protocol. And, you know, he says, all right, man, well, hey, here, you, you go for a while. I could tell he was a little bit frustrated because, you know, he probably wanted to look like he was doing well. I think it was like six o'clock. So he did get some reps with the gravy period too. And just nothing was vibing, but it was also early in the summer, you know? And um, anyways, so I get the bag and I'm starting to go door to door and literally like the next house ends up buying, you know, <laughs> ask me's and my confidence and my head probably blew up. Like I'm going to crush this thing. Right. And uh, I just remember Maurice just, 
you know, rolling his eyes, but you know, obviously being encouraging and you know, whatever. And it was probably the worst thing that ever happened to me. Why is that? Because it was literally like the second house I ever knocked on bought something from me. And yes, it might've raised my confidence, but I think I blew my head up just a little too big. And I was like, this is going to be a piece of cake. And I almost inflated this vision of how the summer really was going to go. Right. So, um, but anyways, I was feeling on top of the world after that moment. Just, you just made me, made me think about (laughs) that. That first, well, I mean, that's so funny. I'm going to have to remind Mo about that next time we talk. (laughs) <laughs> oh man we love mo he's a good dude he, yeah. you guys were on here with dylan on a group once as well that was a good episode too yep. um uh, going going through your career um why why come back why did you decide more summers so we did obviously year one we did a year two and a year three um so year one as i got a very i you know i, I would say a very similar story to most people hey i hit sizzler that's exciting for my mm-hmm my first year but i was off schedule like mad i probably yeah i i was if i could track i I wish i would have but man i was one of those people that was really struggling um with rejection waste feeling like i wasted my time and i would have to get out of these out of my own head i'd sit in my car longer when i should have been knocking on doors and um and then there was days where i was like you know what i'm just gonna go do my own thing i'm gonna go explore minneapolis off schedule right and um yeah i'll work out a little bit you know so but it was it was really because i was i was running from the the fear of rejection or the day's been bad or no one's bought so far and you know so there was a lot of off schedule and um so when i thought of my second summer um i actually made a promise to myself going this summer too i said you know what i'm gonna do this again i'm gonna be on schedule and uh, you know, whatever. And and so my promise to myself was I will never leave this company until I feel like I got the true Southwestern experience, which was, I was on schedule. I did exactly what I was told to do for the whole summer and I didn't miss a beat. Okay. And so I, I just didn't want to be one of those people that was an early champion or a one year one or, you know, one year summer guy that never reached his potential. And so going into my second summer, I was like, this is going to be the year. Well, summer two, I didn't deal with that stuff. I didn't combat it before year two started. And so I still had the same issues, but I still hit Sizzler and I did grow, um, you know, to whatever people want to talk units, just shy of 3000 units my second summer, but I probably worked 25% of it. Okay. And um, so it was, uh, <laughs> I love that one unit, $8, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but anyway, so just to give you an idea, it wasn't, um, I, I was very off schedule again and I, I started off strong, but I, it was a different challenge that I had. Cause I forgot that year two, I brought out a team of like some really close friends and all of them quit within the first two weeks, like four of them. Holy shit. Where, wait, where were you selling? So I was selling in Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg, Virginia, Stewart's um, Virginia, Stafford. Stafford. And so everyone quit except you know, I actually had a couple more team members. I forgot that did not quit, but my closest friends quit. Okay. So people that didn't quit, Sarah Majeski, Sarah Nanini, for some of you guys might remember as that, um, she was on my team and, um, she was someone that stuck around that summer, but anyways, uh, which you should get her on the podcast. That'd be great. But, um, but anyways, so my team, my close friends quit. All right. Sarah was not a close friend at this point. We were just, you know, work together. And so 
you know, but she stuck it through, right? Which was awesome. But my close friends, guys I went to high school with that I believed and I thought could really do it, quit. And that just dropped my spirits. You know, rejection of that is totally different hmm. because you brought them out there. They spent money to get there. I feel like I let them down and it led to me being off schedule year two. And, you know, like I said, just showed just shy of 3,000 units was terribly off schedule. And um, going to my third summer, it was uh, 2013. And I just, man, after that, after 2012, I guess I'll back up a little bit. Um, my closest friends now, Dylan Barr, and uh, one of my buddies, Will Hemmert, they both crushed their second summer. They both hit like triple growth and over like 6,000 units or something, or just shy of 6,000 units. And, and we were all the same year. Or at least Dylan and I were, and, um, <laughs> and I'm a little bit competitive with you know, and, and Dylan especially, was especially with Dylan. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, because we're good buddies. And before we weren't actually, you know, we were actually almost like rivals a little bit because we were the same year. We're the guys that stuck it out. We both hit Sizzler first year and second, you know, whatever. And he just crushed it year two, and he was a rock star. I mean, triple growth from year one to year two, and all this stuff like the like the man on campus, everyone to talk to. And um, they should, because he just did something incredible. Right. And, um, and he really paved the way for me, but him and Will um, love those people to death. And I love them for this because it was the thing that needed to happen. You know, they would tease me a little bit and um, I would, you know, be like, man, next year is going to be the different. And they would be like, Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. You said you're going to be on schedule year two. And you weren't, so what's going to make it so different about year three, right? And um, so they would like tease me in a fun way. And for me, you know, that was just fuel. That was just burning inside of me. And, you know, the jokes became the thing that I needed to just say, you know what? Screw it. I'm going all in. I'm going to be the silent assassin. And I'm going to come out of nowhere year three. I'm actually going to do the job the way that needs to be done because I promised myself that I would never leave this company until I got the Southwestern experience. And you don't get that experience unless you freaking do the job the way you were taught. Right. Yep. And you give it everything you got. doesn't matter how many units you sold. Just you gave it everything you got. You will get the Southwestern experience and units don't mean success for anyone listening here. Whether you're a 10,000 unit producer, I know some of those and they're not that successful. And whether you're one, I know people that were a one summer and they're crushing it at life, but they got the Southwestern experience. Okay. But anyways, my point is this. All right. So going into my third summer, um, I committed to that had never leave. And this was going into my senior year of college. And so it was that feeling of how long am I going to do this? I don't want to do this for 10 years, but I don't want to look back at this and regret this moment and looked at it as, Hey, this is my 13 or sorry, 12 week summer. And I set some big goals. The goal was 8,000 units for that summer. That's that's a bump. <laughs> oh, and people, and I was talking, when we shared our goals to our teams and, and you know, within our organizations, that Dylan and, and you know, Will, you know, they, they were like, wow. All right, guy that just sold only 2,700 units is going to go to 8,000. Okay, there's people that have been selling for 10 years have never sold 8,000 units, right? And um, anyways, so, 
there was a little bit of that and you know they obviously hadn't done it either so part of them why would they believe i could do it because that was their goals that was only two thousand more units than what they sold right right what would make it you know so for them it was way more realistic when they're sharing that everyone just kind of looked at me like yeah okay chad whatever and so that's where that silent assassin came in that was my theme all right and so um i was gonna be the guy that came out of nowhere people were like who is this guy i was gonna be top in the pace setter every week and I already created in my mind what was going to happen, right? They say things happen twice in your life, once in your mind, once in reality, okay? And so- Ooh, that's good. Write that down. <laughs> write that down. Yeah, write that down, everybody. Um, but it's true. I, I I lived in this moment. I envisioned myself getting the big check award, right? All these things. And, and it was an incredible thing. I was so motivated, right? that I was willing to do whatever it took to be successful come hell or high water. Right. I, I was listening to, you know, advanced sales trainings. I created my own stuff that was motivational throughout the day. You know, um, I, I forget the guy's name, but the guy that talks about, you got, you got to be, if you want to be successful, you got to want it so bad, as bad as you want to breathe. That's oh, when you're yeah. successful. Eric, 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 Tom, Thomas, Thompson, Eric, Thomas, Thomas Eric, Thompson, like something like that. Yeah. He's so, a football player and he, I was he had, listening he, to like, I had a motivational a, speech. Yeah. 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 I was, a, so I was good. listening to like, I had a great motivational, like 12 track, like songs with Nick's motivation at, that I would always play at gravy and it would be the same thing every day. So it was this, you know, system, my body was ready for it. It just got me hyped up. It was gravy and whatever. <laughs> but anyways, That's awesome. fast forward to the end of the summer and, um, ended up, uh, selling only for 12 weeks. Um, I wanted to sell for 14. All right. Um, but I only sold for 12. Um, I, when I, I, I do regret this. I'll tell you guys how I finished in a second. I do regret this a little bit because I know if I would have sold for an extra two weeks, which would have been like Delta force, which is what they called people that sold the extra two weeks. Is that what the term was? Delta force, like right? That. There was like right. a little part of, of, of the blip that that, that was what I was called. I think. I think it was Delta Force or whatever. It's people that sold an extra two weeks outside of 12. And it was usually a lot of people that were full-time, right? Because that was their job in their summer or whatever. And I wanted to do that, but I got caught up in emotions and, you know, missing people back home a little bit. And then also I had Mort want me to spend time um, with them. And, and, you know, they didn't have the greatest summer. And so they were kind of probably pulling me in a little. And so there was, um, there was that element as well. And so I ended up leaving the book field, but, you know, I went home with, you know, the 12 weeks, whatever, you know, whatever. And so I actually finished at just shy of, 7,000 units, like 6,900 units sold for you unit heads. All right. And, um, and then I had a team. So I think I finished at like maybe 75 or 77. I don't know. Anyways, whatever with actually, no, it was like 75 with logins or something. Then my team, I don't remember what my team did, maybe like 5,000, something small, nothing crazy, but, um, I was close. Okay. And I knew if I would have stayed, I could have hit it. But anyways, um, going from year two of only doing like 2,500 and units, 2,600, whatever, to going over to almost 8,000. That's a jump. It was a jump, but it, I actually did the job. I went every single day. I worked the hours. I worked late some nights, most nights, right? I, I don't, I never had a zero day that summer. Um, yeah, it was just, I was just moving. I was always in the top 10 on the charts, whatever pace setter, but it was, it was just this fuel and yeah, I just, I went after it. And so 
I bought my first suit after that summer and on the tag on the inside, it says silent assassin on one side. There's <laughs> <laughs> had my name on it, but it was, it was put that on the pay setter, silent assassin on the pay setter. I did have that in there. Let's go. Chad, <laughs> assassin, paleo, right. So, Hell but, yeah. um, but anyways, I mean, it was uh, a lot of it was prep and, you know, if you're someone that's listening to this and you're getting ready to sell for the first summer or second or third, and you're just trying to pick something away from this that you can apply, man, prep before, you know, when you can just do all that stuff prior to that summer, I mean, you will crush if you out prep people, most people don't. And that's why they don't grow. Mm. They don't do anything different. Yeah. We, I was having a, first of all, thanks for sharing that story. Cause that's legit. And I know there's a story within that story that we're going to get to as a ponytail, probably uh, from that, from your third summer that I'm yeah. sure we could revisit. I love that story. So it'd be yeah. great if you could tell it again, but yeah. um, I love what you said there about prep. There was, um, who was it? I, whatever. Someone recently, we were having this conversation about not just prep for the summer, but post summer was what they did. That was really well. For example, like a lot of people that go sell books and that this is me included, um you're maybe you're in school maybe you're full-timing so your your spring is just bananas so then you get to the summer it just kind of comes up it's all of a sudden like parent coffee and then you're in at sales school and the whole time you forgot to like prep your living situation back home at the end of the summer you forgot to prep your you know like set up your school classes and oh, so yeah. there were so many book kids who had a hard time finishing strong because that starts to creep up from back home and you can't really ignore that like especially if you're a student where all of a sudden it's like hey you haven't picked out your classes for the fall you haven't figured yeah. out where you're going to live once you get home from the summer and it takes up your mind and so they were talking about even like prepping not just for the summer but prepping for the rest of the year so mm -hmm. that when they were hitting week 11 and 12 which is like your most precious week because that's literally supposed to be when you're like you have all the names it's the end of the summer you've sharpened your skill as much as it can be for that 12 weeks it, that's your harvesting period and if your brain is like even halfway out the door thinking about what classes you're going to take because you might get kicked out of school or you know what I'm saying? Cause sure. it, it, it just, it, so I love that concept of the preparation uh, that you mentioned that, because I think that's, it's not touched upon enough. And a, a lot of your life and your success seems to be based on just, you've, I mean, you've talked about, you sit at the beginning of the year, you set your big hefty goal at the beginning of the year, you break it down when you were writing your book, you like broke it down and crystallize it. Like a lot of your method of success is prep 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 you know, you share the fail of plan quote like like or pl plan to fail quote like so what i'm the theme i'm getting from you and your lifestyle and the way that you approach life is the best way to be prepared for volatility is having uh your mind and your and your physical prepped so that when you have to improvise you're a lot more sure-footed based on plans you set really cool yep no i really appreciate that and i just want to add one little thing on that um the most, I would say the most successful people, just from that point that you shared, books, relationships, I think this is a good, you know, segue and whatever, I don't know, but um, is just understanding when this, when will distractions arise and how can I eliminate them? It's almost like being on a sales call when it comes to objection handling. How can I beat, you know, I already know what objections coming, but how can I cover it before they bring it up? 
right? And then you can diffuse it way earlier. And it's the same thing with distractions, right? Like you're thinking ahead of, hey, can I have everything planned prior to? So it's this moment is all I'm focused on. This is it, right? And when I think about relationships and I think about being a great husband, I think about being a great dad, it's already looking at my calendar ahead a week in advance, maybe a month in advance and start thinking about, you know, what, what distractions, what are things that are happening already that I need to fit into my life schedule and avoid this happening? Cause I don't want someone that says you work all the time. I don't want someone that says you haven't been to a kid's soccer game because I planned something I didn't realize. And I, you know, went off the wayside and all these different things and last minute. And man, that, that quote about, you know, those that fail to plan, they plan to fail is so true. Right. Yeah. So true. So. Amen. It's interesting. Can I ask you a tangential question, maybe personal and just kind of off the yeah, just way left? My wife, my wife is a counselor. So she listens to these like uh, uh, podcasts. And actually from day one, before we, we got a marriage counseling, like from day one of our marriage, we got a marriage because we were like, it's better to have this and, and just be able to have this space to talk instead of getting a marriage counselor when you need it <laughs> instead of when you, when you, you know, just to keep it healthy. Um, and she sent me this podcast and they were talking about kind of this. It was, um, she sent it to me because she thought about self. She didn't sell books, but she's heard the podcast and she obviously a lot of my life right now is dealing with memories of Southwestern. Right. Um, and so she was like, Hey, this reminded me of the way that people and the book of you book people, <laughs> I shouldn't say it like that, but she's like book kids approach like the summer, which is, like the, the podcast talking about like in a marriage situation, um, you know, prep for like, hey, your culture, your principles, uh, crystallizing your goals together as a couple. And so since that's a big part of your life, is that something that you've and you're just recently married? Have you thought about doing that with your marriage? And if this is too personal, I'll start her business. No, 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 really this cool, is good. But... Um, no, this is good. So Abby and I actually, we actually went to premarital counseling and we've done right. a lot of this stuff. And so just like the same thing you talked about, it's, hey, how do we get ahead of problems before they arise? If you talk to any married couples, all right, there's going to be challenges. That's why we always celebrate people when they say I've been married for 10, 25, 40, 60, right? You know, yeah. years. But they all have one thing in common. Storms will come, yeah. all right? And are you, it's a matter of being prepared for that storm and not, but then there's also that element of, you know, open communication. And I would say that's a huge thing that I have learned growing up, right? We learn lessons and we fail. And how do we learn? Well, we fail a lot. And whether it was in past relationships, you figured out um, what worked, what didn't work, what you did wrong, what you should have done better, you know, what they could have done better on all these things. Right. Um, and we're all just humans in this, you know, world that's spinning in the middle of nowhere, who knows, but what I'm talking about, but at the end of the day, you know, you just, um, yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing is, you know, you find that right person, and you get, you, you're, you feel confident to be real enough with them and communicate and all that stuff. But you realize that, Hey, it's important for me to have a plan in advance to know, you know, that there are things that are going to happen. How do I, how do we get out of these or, or how do we, you know, obviously mm -hmm. battle test. I think that is, that is the, that is super, super important. I, I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing that too. I mean, you've been married longer than I have. I've only been married for what, three weeks now. And, I, I'm, uh, a, I'm a year and a half in, so it's just pretty, pretty, pretty rookie myself, but I mean, Hey, it's a year longer than me. And so, you know, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but, um, for the people that I have talked to that have been married, they talk about that stuff Yeah, you know, that don't go to sleep, you know, whatever. I know this isn't a marriage you know, <laughs> podcast, but yeah. 
but just all about planning, man. It, it just, it aligns with so many different things, not just, you know, business goals and sales, et cetera. Uh, I love that. So sorry. So that's super tangent from Southwestern, but I, I'm yeah, like, no, you just good. got married. I wonder if he's been doing this because that's kind of the theme in my life. It's just like doing that kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, let me ask you some uh, rapid fire questions. It's going to trigger some memories of, of your Southwestern career. And then we'll jump into sure. some ponytails. If any stories come up yep. from uh, these questions, it does, rapid fire doesn't mean you have to answer them quickly. It's just more yeah. like the, yeah. the basic ones. Uh, yep. All right. Number one, what was your favorite territory that you sold in under the three summers uh, from a standpoint of like the, like Virginia versus Minnesota versus wherever? Oh man. I mean, most people, I would assume that they choose the territory they sold the most in. So I'm going to shoot with uh, good old Katy, Texas. Wow. The good old. Yeah, that is probably true. Katy, <laughs> Texas. So that's your third summer. What was your favorite kind of turf to sell in like big break, uh, middle income country, low income country, suburbia? Oh man. I love big brick. I don't know. Something about people that, that had a lot of confidence behind the door or that snootiness. It was almost a challenge to me, but I also <laughs> it helped me raise my game a little bit. Um, I just enjoyed those people. I always had fun with them and that was that was a lot of the, yeah that big brick. I don't even have to explain it. Just that was that was the spot for me. Interesting. I'm Interesting. sneaking in. I'm sneaking into all those neighborhoods with the gates. I'm finding <laughs> a way. Mailman comes through. Guess who's coming right after you? Chad the bookman. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. What are you doing in here? Oh, that's not a big deal. I don't smoke, ma'am. Right? We all know that joke. <laughs> <laughs> no wait. What? What's that joke? Uh. But uh, say that what? I didn't hear. I've never. Oh, heard you that. don't know that one? I don't know who said it. It was um, was it? Ritzer or Mark Rao is the one who, who said this in his advanced sales training, where if someone ever said, Hey, no soliciting, or they say, Hey, you're not supposed to be here. Do you have a permit? He'd be like, Oh man, I don't smoke. And then you just like keep going and do his approach. And it was just, and then people would be like, huh? <laughs> they would just be so dumbfounded, but <laughs> yeah, that's that good. A good one. That's a good one. Uh, speaking of that, uh, speaking of advanced sales, the next question is what was your favorite advanced sales tape? Ooh, 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 um, man, my favorite advanced sales tape, um, Ron Alford was my favorite advanced ooh. sales tape. Love that one. So good. He it was wasn't a, even a tape. It was a CD. Let's get that right. In my time, yeah, it was a CD. Advanced sales CD. That's right. Yeah. Him um, and Matt Atchison were, those are some of my two favorites. Dude, Matt Atchison, his advanced sales is so good. He had two, but they were both gold. Um, yep. and Ron, yep. I mean, come on um what was your favorite hq stafford hq so that was uh man that was that was in virginia um right outside of dc um we had a host dad that sold books back in the 70s or the 80s you gotta and get me in touch with him if you still a one summer guy he was a marine he became an elite sniper in the marines i mean guy works at the pentagon just like the man so if you want to make a note to ask chat about who his host dad was um anyways he hosted me um you know two two other team members and uh, sarah majeski nini you know for those that don't know um also was with us in that house and um, Josiah Fogel, if that rings a bell for some folks, yeah. but um, we just had an amazing, amazing situation. I mean, when you think about great host families, they had steak for you on the weekends. They had meals already made for you at night. Like they treated you like their own kids. I had rice, chicken in a package, like just open the fridge. Here it is. I mean, he would buy us groceries, right? This guy did not even, I mean, he did everything and Gold. just Saturdays 
I didn't even want to go to Saturday meetings because or Sunday meetings because I wanted to just hang out at you know at my host dad's house and just relax. He had the world's most comfortable couch, you know. We actually did a host. Um, he did host our our one of our Sunday meetings, but that was that was the best man. And we had a great HQ, a great breakfast spot. I mean, we talk about Stafford HQ a lot. Um, between those people, I love that. What well, funny that you say that? Uh, favorite breakfast spot is the next one. Mike's Diner was in, uh, which I heard that it actually is not there anymore by, oh, by, no. uh, by Josiah, but Mike's Diner was the place. I mean, that was a blast. Um, yeah, we did the can can for execs, you know, on the highway. It was like a freeway, you know, right there. That was the always, we always finished our execs doing that. Me, Josiah and Sarah, ah, man. Gold stuff, bro. Best way to not take yourself too serious. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, I'm only bringing this one up because I know you were off schedule. Sometimes we have guests that weren't off schedule, which by the way, you said you wanted the full Southwestern experience. I think being off schedule is part of the full. I think, I think if you have one summer where you're fully on and one summer where you got off schedule a little bit, I think there's something about being off. I'm not encouraging if you're a first year listening to this, because some of you are go knock on the next door. Don't get up. Don't make it sound like it's a bad thing. You yeah. know, you, you should. I mean, if you can push through, I would love to have been someone that never got off yeah. schedule. Yeah. But also, yeah. it was fun. So, what was your favorite <laughs> off schedule story? Oh, man. You know, I what was my favorite off schedule story? You know, I, the one thing I never did, I never got off schedule with other people. So, I almost regret that. I never did the go meet up with someone else thing. A lot of people did that, go, you know, whatever. I never did that. So, um, but I definitely, when I was in Minnesota my first summer, you know, obviously I'm not far from all of America. So, what am I going to go do? I walked that thing for like five hours because, you know, so that was cool. Um, explored the Mall of America and um, had a blast just doing road roller coasters, you know, that kind of stuff. Just because I was like, hey, I'm here. If anything, at least if I'm going to be off schedule, at least I'm going to make freaking memories out of this. You know, I'm not just going to go get some freaking ice cream cone and then watch cry a movie. myself in my car, you know? Yeah. I went to the movies. Nice. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. That's why I found peace going to movies alone. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anyway. Hey, that's okay. That's all right. You know, it helps you get out of your own head. You, you know, all that good stuff. It does it, man. Um, three more. I have, uh, what was your favorite uh, product to sell or tack on? Ooh. Um, I mean, Mufus were the easiest tack on to anything. You could sell those to people in high school because it was like a funny thing just to go through, you know, whatever parents. Um, those were great. I don't know if they still make those, yeah. right? But um, they do. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Okay. And they're still so, good. They're still easiest good. tack on to anything. Oh, you can get these for your grandma's or your sister's kids and donate them to the local school. Donate them here. Yeah. They're awesome, right? Those are the easiest tack on. If you can tack those on, you just open it up to like one of the pages. I forget if I had one with me. We always had, <laughs> we always had like just the one that was like the funniest one. You always read to people and they're like, okay, I'll buy that. Was right? it, was it cow? Cow's a green. I got this. A cow is a big, heavy animal that turns green grass and turns it into white milk nobody knows how a cow does this cows don't talk about it yeah yeah that, that was a funny one yeah cows don't talk about it. yeah that was a good one there was a oh man dylan you know obviously dylan bar is super Dude. funny right so dylan had another one that was so funny i shouldn't ask him what it was uh, i forget but um anyway so but um but yeah so reading those things whatever and then my favorite thing to sell ooh i mean I was, I sold a lot of just advantage book sets, like the four. So a lot mm -hmm. of those. Um, so I would just say those, I, I love talking about that stuff. I don't know. I, I was a, I was someone in school that did not, um, it wasn't that I struggled. I just did never do my homework. 
And mm. I hated sitting at the table with my mom when my mom would like try to help me with stuff. And so it was, I almost put myself in their shoes and I could remember and paint the picture of what it was like and show them a product and say, Hey, I would have used this. And I actually think I would have, I believed I would have. So if you want to get at sales, you got to believe in what you sell. So um, a little advanced sales training, but, um, but yeah, the four book set. Heck yeah. Um, what was uh, your best sales day? Now, sometimes people mention best sales day as far as like units. It doesn't have to be that. It could be like the best day that you had on the book field, maybe from an emotional standpoint or a mental standpoint, where it's like maybe you didn't sell a ton of books, but you know, something cool happened to you. Or that might be the ponytail. I don't know. But yeah, I'll just go with, I'll just go with, I don't know. I think my best day was like 290 or something in units in a day, something like that. It was just one of those like fire days where it was just boom, everybody's getting something, baby. Come on, let's keep moving. I I had someone following me, right? So it makes it better. And that transitions us to the last one. What was your best follow day? Whether you followed or they followed you. Man, oh man, my best follow day. Hoof. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a couple that you I can think of one that I think I shared last time, but it's just I'm not gonna share that one. That nice <laughs> you go if you want to find that, go way back and you can listen to it. But um, but anyways, um fun follow day. I remember having Sarah behind me, Sarah Majeski, and I think Sarah came off like a tough couple of days. And it was just one of those those times where you're just thinking, okay, how do we have just a ton of fun and just sell something? I don't care what it is, but just sell something and have a ton of fun. And oh gosh, uh, this is not that funny, but it was really funny when you had, you know, those things where it's like you had to be there and you just yeah. been rolling on the ground kind of things. There was one person I, I just I, I remember approaching this this house and we were just it was later at night. We you know, we've sold, I don't know, we sold a couple things, whatever. So, you know, now it's just showing them, hey, let's work till at least nine thirty at night, right? And just because, hey, I'm gonna do it even though I sold stuff and just keep going and have fun doing it. It doesn't have to be this dreading thing. And so uh, we go to this next house. They have the porch light on, obviously. And it was this really cool, like African American dad and his son. And, you know, his son, I was just like, hey, what's going on? I'm Chad, the book man. I know all your neighbors. And hey, what grade are you? In? Oh, eighth grade. Oh, cool. Boom, 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 boom. And he's just so excited to hear what I have. I was like, you guys gotta see this. And, you know, I'm on that midnight oil high feeling because it's like it's almost 9 30 you know i want to talk you know with my 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 teammate on the drive home and 9 30 is the time we stop at whatever but it was you know 9 25 whatever and um and i'm just so jazzed and i'm just like this is my last opportunity and uh anyways the dad was just laughing i, I don't know i was i wasn't even probably saying anything funny he's just like this guy is a psycho it's 9 30 at night and he's like so excited to show me freaking books right and i'm just you know whatever and um he just would not let me inside but he was laughing you know when you get those people that are just like no there's no way i'm not buying anything he's like come on just show me in let me in the house you know and you just feel like you can just say whatever the heck you want and it's not a big deal because they know you're you know a good kid whatever so um i'm just trying i'm pulling out all the stops like all right i'll just show you right here and he's like no man it's good i was like you gotta see these books and we talked for like 15 minutes at this point 
and he's laughing. His son's like, Dad, come on, please, Dad. Let's I want to see what he has to offer. His son's like going nuts. And his dad's like, We can't, it's late. And I'm like, You can't let me leave. I was like, You can't, you can't not see these books. And he's laughing and he's this after 15 <laughs> minutes. Cause I was not gonna leave. I was just because he was just letting he was playing my game a little. And yeah. he starts like closing the door and uh and then he shuts it. I was like, and then he shuts it. I'm like, I get on my knees, like, you can't, you gotta see these books, they'll change your life. And then all of a sudden the porch light goes off <laughs> and i'm like on my knees they'll change your oh and then sarah and i just like cried laughing and it was you know at that point it's like 9 40 whatever you know and uh that was the end of the day but um but it's just one of those things where you just don't take yourself too seriously you know um, yeah but that's that was that lesson, was dude. that was a fun follow day right that's a great lesson to, to teach it's like if you just have fun and 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 enjoy people who are allowing you to be fun that's that even if they don't buy it's still a good time oh yeah that guy was fun i mean he was whatever he gave me all the names in the neighborhood you know it it wasn't like i was force feeding him to buy my thing but it was just one of those you know you're having fun like you just got to see this It's so cool i'm the crazy guy at the door it's 9 30 who's else gonna be there was gonna be me chad the book man boom 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 right yeah i love that yeah oh man that's great um all right let's go into some ponytails I don't know if you have, I mean, I know I, I, I personally requested the greatest hit, but you know, if you have others that you also want to share or would rather share, that's also fine too. For people who are listening, this is the first time. This is where we have our guest. That's the name of our show, Ponytails, share their favorite tales of their time selling books. It could be because someone bought a big book or a lot of books, or it could be because something happened that changed their life. It could be something funny that happened, something scary that happened. We've had the gamut. So, you know, at this point, it's whatever you want to, what you want to share. These are your ponytails, my friend. Take it away. Oh man, we got so many ponytails to share. Um, I don't think I shared this one on the last episode, so this might be a little bit of a newbie. Um, but I thought of this one as you're thinking about like what are your favorite file days, and so I did not share this one because I didn't want to take away from this. But um, so, anyways, um, third summer, I'm experienced dealer, right? Um, this is the summer that I was just cooking. All right. And I'd sold something every single day. And of course, when you're selling a lot, you get a lot of people to follow you because your confidence is going through the roof. Your sales manager and your DSM just like, let's feed people to this guy because he's selling. And I need people to realize that it's possible to, they can have fun at it. You know, all this kind of stuff. Boom, 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 boom. All right. So anyways, I get this guy that hadn't sold anything like three, four days. All right. And he's a first year. He's new. He's not like a B contract. He's trying to get his confidence back. Right. Um, you know, it's just some brand new guy. that's like literally on the verge of quitting. All right. And, um, he showed up. Um, I told him like, Hey, be on time. Cause you're not going to leave without you. Right. <laughs> Cause I, I talked to him a little bit on the phone and, um, I remember Aaron being like, Hey, can you let this guy follow you? He's I'll be honest, like he has a little bit of a bad attitude. He's talking about quitting. He's talking about going home, you know, um, and, uh, and whatever, I don't even, whatever. And so fine. Sure. And like, I call him, Hey, what's going on? And he's just kind of like, you know, was not rude to me, but just a little bit of that. Yeah, man, I'll be out there, whatever, you know, you know, this time. And yep. I was like, well, Hey, those kids, you either, you either show up on time and you are in the bus or the bus is going without you. All right. And so he shows up on time, whatever. And, um, 
just kind of has a little bit of a, uh, you know, you, you know how it is with those kids. You, it almost turns into a therapy session, you know, as you yeah. drive the turf where it's like, man, so how are things going? Uh, I haven't sold anything in like four days and I've been working, you know, he's probably just like lying. Yeah, I've gone to every house. I got the worst territory. Just vent, 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 vent. All right. Yep. Got the worst territory. Okay. What neighborhood are you in? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a good territory. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah whatever. So tell me everything. And he's like, and, and I just, I think this, this was a dumb internship. I should have never came out here. You know, I think it was like three weeks in or something. And I can't believe I even showed up and, you know, I just feel like I got in this scam and no one buys anything from anybody. Right. I don't even believe you're selling anything. Hey, you know, we'll see if we can sell something today. And that's just how I was, right? We'll see if we can sell something today. And guess what? So it's killing with kindness, right? And um, I said, well, hey, I'll tell you one thing. We're definitely going to sell something. Today, I promise you that. And um, and then I was like, we're, gonna, we're also going to have fun doing it. So, you know, you're going to have to put a smile on your face. And we're going to go, we're going to go just have a ton of fun. Does that sound good? I guess, whatever. And so day starts going on we we we're, we're we're obviously going to our first house we get some demos in you know it's early no one buys anything boom 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 lunchtime rolls around we get some really good demos in uh you know we get a couple callbacks nobody buys and come back at four whatever go back at four and um and i meet this really cool mom doesn't buy and then i meet another couple people that are like oh if you come back at seven my husband is gonna love this stuff like we're for sure in karen down the street karen all right karen loves this stuff karen really told me about it she bought it from you yesterday like we're totally in i've already decided right and i just need my husband to be there so he knows what i'm buying so can you come back when he's here? And I never demoed her yet. So it was not a suicide call. I just said, yeah, cool. I'll come back. And I was like, this is a solid appointment. It's in the bag, <laughs> whatever. You know, 8 p.m. rolls around. I saved her for last. I was like, we're going to spend probably an extra. I told him. And at this point, I hadn't sold anything, by the way. So, and, and he's like, you still haven't sold anything yet? I was like, oh, it always happens. We always sell something. And um, we were like, we got this appointment. I was like, I saved this one for last. I was like, everybody buys if they have an appointment after 8 p.m. at night. And so, um, I think it was more like eight 30. Anyways, we roll up eight 30, walk up to the house, knock on the door. And I'm like, it always happens, baby. It always does. And, uh, opens the door is dad. Dad comes out. It's going on. Hey, I'm Chad. I'm the book guy. You did, you know, your wife tell you I'll swing by. No. Oh, cool. Not a big deal, man. Well, Hey, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Karen down the street told you I'm actually the guy that's selling the educational books or talking about families. And, um, yeah, we're not interested. Oof. Are you sure? I literally talked to your wife two hours, three hours ago, and she was so excited for you to be home to see this stuff. All right. And in my mind, I'm like starting to have that feeling of this was like my last hat. Like this was my rabbit on the hat to make a sale in front of this freaking douchebag over here that's telling me you haven't <laughs> sold anything yet right and uh anyways so i'm just sitting here i'm no just are you sure are you sure go talk to her uh hey blah 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 wife whatever her name was you want to look at these books no i'm good yeah i oh. hear it yeah she's not interested all right well yeah man have a good help uh, good luck out there you know thanks close the door and is that now it's like 8:45 at night. I'm just like, wow, I have 45 minutes to try to make a sale. And this kid needs to see a sale. I haven't sold anything. I've sold literally something every single day except when this guy that keeps saying, Oh, you haven't sold anything yet. I thought you said you're gonna sell something the other day. Like just like one of those little nag, you know, I almost want to get rid of him, but I was it was almost that moment where I was thinking to myself, this is good. 
this is good. I like this. I like the pressure. I kind of like this person chirping here and there in a fun way. But I looked at him, said, well, we're going to find a sale somewhere else. And he said, oh, yeah, sure we are. And I said, it always happens, baby. It always does. And so we just go continue knocking and get a couple sit downs. People don't buy. It's now 10 o'clock at night. And he's like, hey, man, we're supposed to be done at 930. I said, we're not done until we make a sale. We're, we're going to keep we're going to keep cooking. And so we keep going. Um, anyways, get a late sit down. I thought this was the one. Didn't sign up. Uh, can't make a decision, Chad. It's now like 10, 15 at night. And we get out and uh, I get to the car and I look at him. I said, it always happens, baby. He's like, dude, it's 10, 15. Like I, I still have a 35 minute drive to my turf. Like, can we, I was like, no, I was like, you're with me today. I was like, I'm not on your schedule. You're on my schedule. And we're going to find a way to make a sale today. And so, <laughs> um, anyways, I start my car and I, you know, I'm getting ready to put it in drive. And I look at my dashboard and my gas tank is on E like close to E. Right. Yeah. And, oh, shit. Well, if I'm going to keep going, I need to get gas. So, um, all right, we got a quick pick stop. Like we're going to the gas station and filling up the car, whatever. And um, anyway, so I'm going to the gas station. I'm a little bit annoyed. So I'm like, this is literally probably going to be about 20 minutes and I'm going to lose a little momentum and yada, yada, yada. And lights aren't going to be on. I'm like, I'm starting to almost have that feeling of it is not going to happen. I'm not going to make another sale, you know? And uh, I'm like a little worried because this guy's going to win and I'm super competitive and I'm not going to let this first year tell me I'm not going to make a sale. And so anyways, so I'm getting gas and as I'm getting gas, I noticed that there was this van that pulled up, um, you know, after me. And as I was sitting there getting gas, they had a flat tire or something. And, um, I used to work in, um, high school. I worked at this place called Tasmanian tire. And so I changed tires for cars, whatever. Right. And, um, I just noticed that he was struggling to change his flat tire and put his donut tire on. And so I, you know, I said, Hey, hold on a second. I'm going to go over here and help this guy. And, um, after I was done filling up gas and paying and so, Hey, what's going on, man? How's it, how's it going? You know, are you, uh, you need some help? Ah, oh, yeah, man. I have no idea. Like I've never done this before. We're on family vacation, yada, yada, yada. And so, cool, yeah, I'll help you real quick. It's like 11 p.m. at night and um, at this point. And so, ends up turning like 20 minutes later. And obviously, I'm helping this guy, you know, do this thing, change his tire. And he asked me, so what are you doing out here? He's like, thanks for helping. Like, not many people help, you know, with stuff like this, and especially not young people. Said, ah, it's the least I can do. You know, uh, I'm actually from Michigan. You know, we get in the small talk and I'm out here for this internship. And uh, <laughs> oh, really cool. What are you doing? Well, I'm selling educational books that help parents and kids with schoolwork. And this is like as we're wrapping up, really, what, like, what would you have stuff for like just older kids? Like, you know, or, or what do you got? Do you have anything like, is that it? And I said, well, I got stuff for younger kids too. And he's like, well, we got a, a couple toddlers in the, in the van. I don't know if you heard them talking or not. Or, um, and my wife's in there and I don't know, what do you got? And so <laughs> end up demoing this guy at 11 PM at a gas station. All right. Buys the, the, my set with the move foods and, um, half of the ask me's and, uh, anyways, uh, let's go, bro. I'm still over there. And then this first year comes up and he's just like, are you guys ready? He's like, what's going on? He's like, are you ready to go? I was like, Hey man. Um, yeah. Can you go? Um, I popped the trunk already. Go grab. Cause I always carried books with me yeah. to sell. like and give away right then and there. Go grab, you know, my set asked me whatever. He's like, what? 
was like, go get them. I was like, they're buying a set of books. I was like, I told you it always happens, you know, and uh, whatever. And so they're, they're, and he was making a sale at a gas station. I remember um, telling Aaron about that after I dropped this kid off. He's like, you won't believe this. You know, and it was like Aaron used to tweet it out to people like to our team. We had a Twitter, you know, foundation Twitter. So you did, that was the, yeah, we did. Aaron had a Twitter foundation, Twitter only. So it was like followed by all the foundation members. She would like update like leaders and stuff just in our group. That's so smart. Yeah. yeah so you can communicate with everybody just in your, in your organization easily. So smart, bro. I've yeah. Other dumb ways to communicate. That's a great way. Yeah. So, but that was a crazy one. And it was just one of those things where That's awesome. The, the lesson for him was, Hey, you never give up on a day. Right. And you know, I, I, like I said before, things happen twice in your, in your life, once in your mind, once in reality. And I believe that there is going to be a sale It's going to happen somewhere. And I didn't believe it was going to happen at 11 PM at a gas station by some random person that I decided to help. Right. So one of those things, Amazing. wild, wild, wild story, but that's, that's my, that's one ponytail. I don't think that you've heard that. I have not heard that. I love that. That's, yeah, that's yeah, gold. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a little feel cool. good, you know, all that kind of stuff. Hell yeah! Speaking of feel good, give me the, give me the juice, give me the, give me the one. The one. Could, yeah, when the when your third summer that you told last time. Can you give us like a quick? Uh, the okay, the third summer, um, rough, rough day. That one. Yeah, dude. That's the best. Oh, thing. you want that one? That's what you wanted. That's what you wanted for me. That guy, or do you want the one where the cop buys education books for me? There's that one too. I got the blue light special. I'll, that one's a quick one. I'll just share real quick. Okay. Not even just in general, but basically, was in a neighborhood where no soliciting, whatever. Some guy was a jerk, you know, and said, "Get out of here! I'm calling the cops." Cool man, call them. I got a permit. Not a big deal, right? You're not gonna rain on my parade. I just kept going door to door, and then eventually a cop shows up. And uh, I'm like in the middle of like door demoing this mom and she, you know, showing her Shit. the to do and her head just goes, is that for you? I think that's for you. Uh, yeah, probably. And then next thing I know, she's closing her door. <laughs> so I take my bag. I walk down there. Um, ends up being like a lady cop. And she's like, Hey, what are you doing out here? I was like, Hey, nothing. I got a permit. And she's like, okay, all right, let me see it. You know, whatever. And she's like running my stuff. You're good. And I said, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with that guy up there. You know, I was like, I know he called you cause he said he would. And she just kind of like giggled a little bit. And, um, and then she says, well, what are you out here doing? I was like, well, you know, work with um, all the families in, you know, this town we help um, kids with, you know, parents help their kids with homework, math, you know, different stuff, whatever. And she goes, you got anything for eighth graders? I said, <laughs> Oh yeah. And she said, I was like, you mind if I hop in? She's like, yeah, come in. And so I literally got in the passenger seat of a cop car and sold two math books to a cop right there. In the car. <laughs> Let's so, go. Thank you to that man that got that cop called. Cause she bought books for me. And that what was a referral. Oh, what a referral. Thank you. Call cops at me. So that was after that, that was like always the goal. Can I sell a cop? It never happened again, but it was just like that one time, right? That'd so, be a good answer to an objection. It's like, I'm going to call the cops and he's like, I, w- I would appreciate the referral. Uh, cops yeah, appearance they too. Need this too. So, but, um, but the big burly one, I mean, that one's more of a feel good story. That one's a little bit longer. We could, um, we could, ha- we could encourage people to go back and listen to it. That's yeah, okay. I would say, let's, let's go back to, if you really want to hear it, you know, it's no. definitely a letdown and there's all this stuff and then he does have a, a warm heart finish, but I would definitely go back and listen to whatever episode that was actually. So they can go back to listen to your first episode, or we also did put it in our favorites of 
of 200 uh, for our 200th Ooh. episode. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they could also yeah. go back and listen to that because they can catch all that. That's good. Give them with the kind of with the book. We gave them the best stuff now. They can go back and find the other stuff. Yeah, you know, if they, yeah, if they yeah. earn it, they got to go earn it now. I appreciate exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, okay, so let's close this sucker up. But cool. before we do, uh, one last thing. Okay, guys, the book on high ticket sales, The Ultimate Guide to Making Millions Through Remote Selling uh, by Chad Alio. You guys can go find that on Amazon right now. You go find yourself a soft cover or you can go get the hardcover like a cool kid. Um and support Chad. One thing that I will ask for you is if you guys read the book, the biggest thing that you can do to help an author, especially on Amazon, is go leave them a review after you've purchased the book. It is huge for the algorithm, but not just that, just to, to help the author feel like their time was worth it because those hours that you spent writing this thing, nobody else thanks you for them in any other way better than writing a review. So please make sure you guys go ahead and do that. If you guys are interested in getting a hold of Chad, you can go find him on Instagram. That's on the screen right now at Chad Alio. You can also go down on the show notes and go find the links to his uh, LinkedIn page and as well as like the the Amazon book as well. Um, and last but not least, if you guys want to learn a little bit more from Chad or maybe you sold with him, you want to say hi, uh, make sure you guys reach out to him in that way. Uh, make sure you catch the audiobook if you want to listen to that as well. Go to his website, chadelio.com. Um, and of course, anything, other questions, you message us and we'll get you guys in touch with Chad. If for whatever reason you can't find him. Um, thanks so much, man, for being on the show. Any, any closing thoughts before we wrap this one up? Oh man. Just remember guys, it always happens, but also if not now, when that would be the biggest thing, right? So whether yes. it's and plan and plan and plan, but, but, you know, in, in just seriousness, you know, time is so precious, right? And you now I wish we had some music in the background where I could, you know, really bring the feels out like I've done on stage when I speak, but, but it's so true. And when you, I think when you really realize the urgency that you should have in life, because man, we, we see people every day pass away that we know love, you know, unexpectedly that we've known at some point in our lives. And it's just, do you want to chase something and you want to make a change in your life? Do not be someone that just thinks about it and talks about it. Make a decision, decide who you want to be and go freaking be it. That would be my parting words. All right. Mic drop. That's all you got to do. Mic drop. Good stuff, man. Guys, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, make sure you guys catch our, follow us on Instagram and all that stuff. We're on all the socials or sign up for our newsletter as well. My name is Andres Gamboa. We'll catch you on the next episode. This has been the Ponytails Podcast. Bye everybody.